This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture X Card. Earn unlimited 2X miles on everything you buy. Plus, get access to a $300 annual credit for bookings through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. Details at CapitalOne.com. This is the World Cafe. I'm Raina Duris, joined by John Morrison. John Morrison is a podcast host and the host of Culture Cipher Radio on WXPN Philadelphia, where we make World Cafe. Every month, he joins me for the Culture Corner, connects the dots for us across different genres of music. But this month, he is here every week talking about dance music through the decades for Black History Month. Started in the 70s and did the 80s and the 90s. For this final week, we're going a little further than just one decade. We've made it to the 2000s. The new millennium. I'm so cold, I'm so grown, I'm so real. I'm excited. John, how's it going? <laughs> I'm good, Raina. How are you? I'm doing really well. Okay, so what are some of the trends that have defined dance music in the 2000s? You know, much like the 90s, uh, post-millennial dance music uh, has been all about Subgenre and micro genre, you know, broken beat, dubstep, grime, Baltimore and Jersey Club are still going strong. It's it's just been waves and waves of these rapidly evolving styles and scenes. And really, in the past few years, uh, I've noticed kind of like a hyper fixation on remixing, in particular amongst young people and young musicians. Who got the room to take what I like? Who got, who got the smoke I like to get by? I need enough to last the whole time, to last the whole night, to last my whole life. Who got the room to take what I like? Who got, who got the smoke I like to get by? I need enough to last the whole time, to last the whole The way whole that uh, the younger generation interacts with music is, is a lot different than generations have uh, in the past. And, and we really live in a world of like, the infinite remix, right? Where songs and genres themselves are constantly being uh, flipped and like adapted and, and recontextualized pretty much in, in real time. And this is probably the most fluid and changeable that uh, music has been in human history. And dance music is right in the center of, of all of that. We'll get into some of the reasons it's so fluid, I think, later on in this conversation. But speaking of remixes, what can you tell us about King Brit, Silk 130, and their song, Happiness? Yeah, King Brit uh, is a DJ and producer from my hometown in Philadelphia. Uh, he's also a professor. He runs a fantastic course with uh, the University of California, San Diego, called Black Tronica, which is all about the history of Black folks' innovations in electronic music. Silk 130 is a musical project of his, and happiness might be their finest moment. They got a wide uh, catalog of, of music uh, that King Brit has made with uh, different collaborators under the Silk 130 banner. Uh, but the version of happiness that we're going to hear is the Soul Dama remix featuring uh, Lady Alma Horton. Uh, the vocal is powerful and beautiful. Uh, it's a gorgeous tune. And, you know, I say this about a lot of the music uh, that, that we've been talking about, but you could still play this record on a dance floor. And as a DJ, 
that's an important aspect of this. Like you can still play happiness, especially in Philly. And, you know, the dance floor will go crazy. Okay, well, let's play it right now on World Cafe. Listening to the World Cafe, that was King Brit presenting Silk 130 featuring Lady Alma Horton with Happiness. That was the Soul Dama remix. It was released in the year 2000. World Cafe correspondent John Morrison is talking about the 2000s in dance music history today on the Culture Corner. I'm Raina Duris. John, you mentioned remixing and how dance music today is constantly being remixed and being changed. Could you explain what a remix is and, and where remixing came from? Yeah, uh, a remix is essentially a new version of a song that's created by adding or rearranging or altering the original sound recording. The story of the remix is, as a form is uh, a little convoluted. The term is, uh, it actually comes from disco. It's attributed to a producer and engineer named Tom Moulton, who worked on a lot of the Philly International tunes in the 70s, a lot of those disco records. And Tom would uh, actually physically re-edit the tape recording of disco tunes and extend certain sections. So he would take, you know, eight bars or 16 bars of a drum section in a tune cut the tape with razor and extend it and re-edit it so that when DJs played uh, these remix versions of these tunes in clubs, people could dance longer because they have a longer extended instrumental section. But there's also this whole uh, history of Jamaican style dubbing, which wasn't called remixing. But, you know, uh, the Jamaican producers would take popular reggae tunes and they would use signal processors like uh, EQ and delay and like these uh, reverb effects. And they would create like these trippy new versions of songs. So really remixing as we know it comes out of those two traditions, Jamaican reggae and American disco. And I'm sure it's gotten a lot easier now that you're not actually physically having to cut tape and you have computers. Right, right. Completely streamlined process now. The next song we're going to hear is Katrinata and Tidra Moses' Be Your Girl. Uh, What can you tell us about this one? Yeah, Ketronada is a Haitian-Canadian producer and DJ, and he's probably 
the most influential electronic dance music producer right now. When you hear dance music today, a lot of it has this kind of expanding and contracting sound. It sounds like somebody's turning like a volume knob up and down, that kind of like pump in sound that you hear in dance records all over. That's a mixing technique uh, called sidechain compression. Uh, and if you hear that, the producer who did it was likely influenced by Kay Trinata or maybe the producer Flying Lotus. So Kay Trinata has really reshaped uh, the sound of, of dance music on a fundamental level. And Be Your Girl is an example of that. But even outside of that, it's a classic in its own right. Teacher Moses, uh, her original song was beautiful. The kind of like low key, like lesser known R&B song from uh, 2004. Kay Trinata took it and remixed it in 2013 and really introduced it to dance floors around the world. And now, you know, it's, it's, it's a classic party tune. Kay Trinata and Teacher Moses, be your girl. Be Your Girl from Kate Renata and Teacher Moses on World Cafe. It's the Culture Corner with John Morrison. Every week this month, he's digging into a different decade of dance music history for Black History Month. I'm Raina Duras. This week, we're in the 2000s. You mentioned earlier, John, that Gen Z interacts with music differently than previous generations. Could you elaborate on that? Explain what you meant. Yeah, I think that, of course, you know, social media and music making technology uh, are the prime catalysts in this change in the way that uh, young people view and, and interact with music and, and create music. You know, as far as like the music making technology, young people today are growing up with software that has capabilities that, stuff that I used to dream about as a kid uh, growing up making music. You have, you know, audio to MIDI technology where you can take any sound, you know, the sound of your voice or whatever and turn it into digital information. You can control a synthesizer with your voice, right? Uh, stem separation technology where you can isolate any element of a recording that you want. You could not do that until a few years ago, right? And of course, everybody has access to these technologies, regardless of how old you are. But I really think that growing up with this stuff shapes how young people view music and create music. And because uh, a lot of young folks are coming of age alongside this technology, they adapt to it faster. And then what about social media? How has that changed dance music? Yeah, it's, it's interesting to me uh, thinking about this because platforms like TikTok and Instagram not only allow music to spread around the world almost instantaneously, these apps actually allow users to change the character of songs as well. 
you know, users can speed up audio for songs that a lot of people do that. Like they'll, they'll take the audio of a song and just play it, you know, at twice its native tempo and pitch. You start to see that a lot of these sped up versions of these songs are a lot more popular than the original versions. So not only are users through social media allowed to remix their own versions of these songs, the fan remixed version actually becomes like the more popular standard version of the song. It like hurts my head to think about it sort of. <laughs> There's so many layers. Um, okay, the, the next song we're going to hear in this series is one that came out in 2020. So very recent. It's from Cookie Kawai. What can you tell us about this one? Yeah, Cookie Kawai is an artist from Jersey. Uh, and her song Vibe was really one of the biggest TikTok songs of the last uh, few years. Rhythmically, you know, it's rooted in that Jersey club sound. Uh, it has like that Jersey Club rhythm to it, but it also has uh, these dreamy, gorgeous uh, synths on top of it. It's fast, it's catchy, and ethereal. It's basically the sound of the 2020s. <laughs> Here it is. It's Cookie Kawaii with Vibe, If I Back It Up. If I back it up, is it fat enough? When I throw it back, is it fast enough? If I speed it up, it's the Culture Corner on World Cafe with John Morrison. I'm Raina Duris. You just heard Cookie Kawaii with Vibe, If I Back It Up. That song came out in 2020. Every week for Black History Month, John Morrison is taking you through a different era in the history of dance music. Uh, we've talked about the dance music of the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, and now the 2000s, all the way up to this decade. John, we've talked a lot about dance music's history and its past. Where do you see, look into your crystal ball here, where do you <laughs> see dance music going in the future? I think that uh, young people are always revisiting and recreating the music of their parents' generation. As much as young people on one hand rebel against that young people historically especially when you think about popular music are obsessed with uh the creative output of their parents generation right and this this isn't just like exclusive to you know any one particular generation in the 80s you had like the garage rock revival and the paisley underground scene young people who were obsessed with the music of the 60s, right? In the 80s and 90s, hip hop was all about sampling and recontextualizing the music of the 60s and 70s, jazz, funk, that whole thing. So it's like an ongoing conversation. Uh, and, and I think that you can hear it in the music that young people make now. Folks are creating their own new versions of UK Garage drum and bass, Baltimore club, Jersey club. 
these are genres that were created you know by and large by gen xers and now their kids in gen z are making their own versions of it it's really a, a an ongoing cross-generational conversation and i think that's what it's going to be if i if i had to make a prediction a lot of the the music of the 90s and the 2000s just coming back in a new form so tell me Okay, well, let's make sure we meet back here every decade to take stock and see what music sounds like at that point. John, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, I've, I've been uh, having a blast. Thank you, Raina, as, as always. John Morrison is a podcast host and the host of Culture Cypher Radio on WXPN in Philadelphia, where we make World Cafe. He joins me every month for the Culture Corner. I'm Raina Duras, back in a moment with more World Cafe. It's Been a Minute is a culture show you don't want to miss. Every week, we help you see the culture angle behind the headlines, the forces behind the trends, and the thinkers behind the next big thing. Tune in for the sharp cultural analysis and captivating interviews. Listen now to the It's Been a Minute podcast from NPR. The Bullseye podcast is, according to one journalist, the, quote, kind of show people listen to in a more perfect world. So make your world more perfect. Every week, Bullseye puts the pop in culture, interviewing brilliant authors, musicians, actors, and novelists to keep you on your pop culture target. Listen to the Bullseye podcast, only from NPR and Maximum Fun. From the campaigns to the conventions, from now through Election Day and beyond, the NPR Politics Podcast has you covered. As Joe Biden and Donald Trump square off again, we bring you the latest news from the trail and dive deep into each candidate's goals for a second term. Listen to the NPR Politics Podcast every weekday.